0: So we've had a few challenges this morning. What we do on snow days, we uh, like I said earlier, we just go ahead, we try to have church with just whoever can come. So uh, I'm glad you have joined us today. I'm glad you're joining us online as well. We're get to we get to continue a series called Devoted: A Faithful Obedience in the Same Direction. I mentioned last week that a guy named Eugene Peterson had written a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction and and it was written about the, the Psalms, about the songs of a sin, and, and what it meant to, to really uh, be devoted to God, and, and to be faithful, and to keep your commitments. And we're, we're carrying along uh, that message today. We're going to be in the, the book of James. Uh, we'll be in James chapter 1 again, so if you've got your Bibles, you can flip there. We'll, we'll be there in a few minutes. Uh, but I kind of wanted to open up this morning and share with you that, uh, about one of the problems in our society today. And it's a problem with people leaving the faith. And what do I mean by that? What we see uh, is we see so many people kind of pushing back, uh, people pushing back against uh, Christianity. Uh, So people are saying, well, I I know this is what I I thought I believed, but now I don't know about it anymore. You you see people questioning. We see people doubting. We see people turning their backs on what they've grown up in. And uh, we see it across multiple generations. We see it um, throughout the country, throughout different denominations. It it really is a, a big problem within the church, but it's not just the church. What we also see is that people are leaving and not staying in marriages. I saw one statistic that said as many as 30% of first marriages end within 10 years. That's a little scary, right? That we see people get married and now they're turning their back on that commitment that they've made. And they do it pretty quickly. And we see it happen a lot in that first 10 years and even at the 10-year mark. Seems to be when uh, many divorces take place. It's not just divorce. People don't stay in the same place anymore uh, with where they live. And we see people moving from city to city to city. We see people leaving church and going to new churches and going to different churches. And and well, what's behind all of this? Here's, here's my thoughts on it. And here's what I see a little bit. I think when people have trouble, when people run into any resistance at all, they don't know how to handle it. So their first reaction is to run. Their first reaction is to walk away. Their first reaction is to leave and to start over somewhere else. And so whether it's their faith, something bad happens, and and they don't know how to reconcile it in their mind, so what do they do? They start over with a different set of beliefs. What happens in marriage? You run into problems, and, and instead of working through them and growing closer together, You turn against each other and you just walk away and start over. Uh, Same thing maybe with your job. People have a job, their boss says something, they get mad about it, they quit, they leave, they start somewhere else. That's the society we live in today. At the first sign of problems, people are gone. Uh, Same thing happens in churches, you know, people get upset, someone doesn't say something to them, someone hurts their feelings, you preach a message that they don't agree with uh, and they're gone. that scares me a little bit in our society today because people, we've lost this idea of commitment. We've lost this idea of living a devoted life. Uh, In fact, though, it's really nothing new. There was a book written all the way back in 1678, a book called Pilgrim's Progress. Have any of y'all heard of that book? John Bunyan, classic Christian book, and it's, a, it's an allegorical book and so the whole book is an allegory and the main character's name is Christian and he sets out from the city of destruction to what he hopes will be his new home, the celestial city. And it's a challenging journey, and along the way he comes across different trials and troubles and, and obstacles and tribulations and all these distractions, everybody trying to pull him off the path, but he is faithful to keep going. And it's a really interesting read, and there's been a couple of people have rewritten it in modern language, but uh, the, the whole uh, story is pretty universal, though, because it's the story that we all face. We're all on this journey of faith in our life. And and the question is, will we be faithful? Will we be faithful? Or are we going to allow the distractions in life to pull us off of the path? And so when we encounter troubles, how do we handle it? Do do we push? Do we run? Uh, Do we escape? Uh, Do we lose our faith? Or do we use those troubles, right, to bring us closer to God? Uh, The first point this morning for those watching online and for you guys here is, is simply this. We get to choose how our troubles impact our faith. That's a choice that each and every one of us have. When we encounter trouble in life, we get to choose how those troubles will impact our faith. And we can and I've seen people handle this in a lot of different ways. People will have an unexpected health problem. They'll they'll get that diagnosis that they didn't want to hear that all of a sudden they found out that they have cancer and they've got two choices. Right. And it is a choice. Do we turn on God? Do we blame God? Do we get mad about what's happened? And do we say, why me? Why I don't understand, I didn't didn't ask for this, I don't want it, do we get mad and use that to deconstruct our faith, or do we use this as an opportunity to draw closer to the God who created us? That's a choice that we have, right? And I don't think we we realize that we have a choice in the the matter, right? We get to choose how our troubles will impact our faith. Uh, So will you... Grow closer to Jesus and and let Him help you through the trouble, or will you look for someone to blame and take it out on God? Um, You know, two weeks ago we focused on James chapter one and that whole passage about count it all joy when you when you endure suffering, Uh, and that, that that sounds so poetic and sounds so inspiring. Oh, just count it joy when you hit a problem but that's tough. That's really tough. That, that's not easy to do for us as Christians. When we have a problem in life to sit there and say, I'm going to be joyful through this. Why is it tough? Because it's a choice. Because everything in us, our natural instinct is to whine, to complain, uh, to, 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 to look for someone to blame. And we, we, we want to get upset about it. We want people to, to 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 understand the pain that we're in, and and I just finished reading the book of Job, and if you've never, you know, if you've never really studied the book of Job, it's amazing, right? Job's going through all this trouble. He's trying to, to you know, I'm I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm not going to let this bring me down. And all of his friends, what do they do? They just keep whining. They keep you need to curse God and die is what they tell them. You see, I feel like that's what our society is telling us right now. Whenever we hit a problem, just curse God and die. Just forget about it. Your your life means nothing. God, who's God? He's not real. That's what the world is telling us. We've got to make that choice to say, I'm going to trust God. My Redeemer lives, all right? Uh, that we've got to make that choice to, 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 to continue to choose God over our trouble each and every day. James said, you know, count it all joy. How could he say that? He had this firm conviction that suffering was not meaningless. Instead, it was God's way of making us mature in Christ. That's what suffering does. It makes us mature in Christ. And so, when we look at this, suffering is still the subject as we get into the passage today in James chapter 1. And we're going to be talking about three points today how our trouble will require wisdom, how our wisdom will require prayer, and how our prayer will require faith. So, let's jump in on the first one. The first point is troubles require wisdom. What do I mean by this? Look at verse 2 with me. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, this is again what we talked about a couple weeks ago. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that your when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And then verse 5, it says, if you need wisdom. So he goes straight from this talk about you need to, Allow the troubles in your life to give you endurance, which will make you mature. And then he goes straight into talking about wisdom. And what James realizes is what we need to to realize, that when we encounter trouble, the thing we need most is wisdom. Wisdom on how to react. Wisdom on how to to get through the issue we're facing. Wisdom on what to say. Wisdom on, on how to share. We need wisdom when we encounter problems. And so as we read through James, what we see is that the people that he is writing to, they have trouble praying. They just don't pray like they should. And he says, you do need to pray. And here's what you ask for. You've got to ask for wisdom. If you keep going in James in chapter three, verse 13, he actually talks about our need for wisdom, right? If you are wise and you understand God's way, you prove it by living an, uh, an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. And so he's equating here wisdom, right, with this uh, is something that every believer needs because it shows our maturity. In verse 17, chapter 3, says, But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. So what we need to realize is that the Jewish people, they were lovers of wisdom. Right? We see this in the book of Proverbs, a whole book of wisdom. And so uh, someone has said that knowledge is the ability to take things apart, while wisdom is the ability to put them back together. Right? And I think as we go through life, some of us, we're good at taking things apart. Have you ever like done that? Have you ever like taken something apart and then you try to put it back together and you don't have a clue how to do it? I think all uh, for me, uh, I'm just like, I'm not a big manual guy. So when I'm fixing something, I just start tearing it apart and hope that I remember where everything goes back together. Uh, That shows that I have some knowledge, but I always don't have wisdom when I'm doing it, Right wisdom is the ability to put it back together uh it, it's it's the right use of knowledge so it's it, it's not just having the knowledge the intellectual ability wisdom is the ability to use it correctly to, to to use it in the right way i think we all know people who are very educated but who have very little common sense um Uh, And and I don't say that in a derogatory way, but there's just people who are educated uh, and know a whole lot of facts and have a lot of knowledge, but they're a little bit low on the side of wisdom, on the ability to use that knowledge in a way that's constructive. Um, One, uh, we all know that. That's why James is pointing us back. We need to ask for wisdom. Warren Wearsby said this. He said, why do we need wisdom when we are going through trials? Why not ask for strength or for grace or even deliverance? It's for this reason. We need wisdom so we will not waste the opportunities God is giving us to mature. Wisdom helps us understand how to use these circumstances for our good and for God's glory. I mean that, I mean, I could just like say, okay, that's it. That's a sermon today. Let's close. I mean, that that statement is that powerful. That's why we need wisdom. We need it so God can use our circumstances for our good and for his glory. For our good and for his glory. And so it doesn't matter what your circumstances are, you should be asking God for for wisdom and how to get through them struggling at work ask God for wisdom struggling at home ask God for wisdom don't know the decision you need to make about your job ask God for wisdom having marriage problems ask God for wisdom that's our first place we turn we need wisdom in every circumstance why because knowledge is information but wisdom is application uh, Knowledge is information, but wisdom is applying it. Knowledge is comprehending the facts. Wisdom is handling life. Knowledge is theoretical. Wisdom is practical. Uh, It's the right use of knowledge. We need wisdom. I, I kind of give you an analogy as you're driving a car you're going down the road right you can know all about the car you can know all the specifications of the car you can have a complete idea of you could have watched driving videos on YouTube you can do all that but when you're behind the wheel and something pops up in front of you something runs out in front of you if you're around here you know that you have to always be watching for deer because they're running out in front of you. Right. You can have all the knowledge, but do you have the ability to put that knowledge into practice and know how to avoid and know how to keep yourself out of accidents? That's wisdom. That's wisdom. That's why we worry about our young drivers. They have the knowledge. They have not had the time to mature in their ability yet to know how to handle the unexpected situations that pop up. Same thing is true for us in our Christian life. It would be great if we knew everything that was coming our way in life, but we don't. We have potholes in the road. We have things jump out in front of us. We have unexpected detours. We have to have the wisdom to know how to use what we've learned in a way that keeps us safe and keeps us on God's path. That's wisdom. And so when we have troubles in life, we need wisdom. But we don't stop there because once we have wisdom... Uh, there's, uh, We need to keep going. What Wisdom requires prayer. It's kind of a circular thing here, but, but go with me, right? If you need wisdom, in verse 5, it says, Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if we need wisdom, how do we get it? We go to God in prayer. He's giving us the formula, right? He's giving us the process we need in life. Now, if you need it, you ask for it. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, I'm like, okay, if you need wisdom, there's, you've got to read this and you've got to go through this process. And then he's saying, no, if you need wisdom, here's how you get it. You simply ask for it. It almost sounds too good to be true. Sounds too simple. We want, we want a, again, a process to go through. Um, when we go through a trial, and this may not be popular today, but I'm going to tell you, we, we need Jesus. I'm just telling you, you may think you have enough strength to handle it on your own. You don't. I know, I mean, in today's world, they'll say, you have all the power within yourself to handle it and to push through and to persevere. I'm telling you, you don't unless you have Jesus inside of you. You need Jesus to help you get through this life. And it's not a crutch. It's my strength. It's, not a, it's, it's our strength that we use to get through life. I, I love this quote I, I saw this week, and I don't know who it's from, but it says, prayer is such a wonderful resource. It connects our poor, feeble, little lives with the Almighty God. It constructs a pipeline from His sufficiency to our inadequacy. It's a pipeline from our inadequacy all the way to God's sufficiency, and we tap into that pipeline through prayer. That's the conduit for the power and the strength we need. And so I know for most of us, the problem is when we encounter a trial, yeah, we pray, but we don't always pray for the right thing. James is telling us we need to pray for wisdom. What's the first reaction we usually have when we're in the middle of a problem? Our first prayer is, God, remove this problem from my life. We pray for God to get rid of the problem. God instead wants to use the problem to change us. We want to change the circumstances. God wants to change us. And so this is what we pray for, right? We pray for wisdom that God can use whatever circumstance, whatever situation that we're facing, He can use it, uh, to, to, he can use it as a way to mature us, to make us more like Jesus. He says here that God is generous; uh, that He will not rebuke you for asking. God's not like Scrooge; He's not looking to try to uh, to get and and give you the and withhold His blessings and give you the bare minimum. No, God wants to bless you. He is your heavenly father that loves you and wants you to experience blessings in your life. John Calvin said this. He said, the Lord is ready to add new blessings to the former ones without any kind of limitation. Our God is a God that wants to bless you. And I'm not talking about fancy cars and big houses and lots of money. He wants to bless your life. He wants you to to experience the joy of living your life faithfully and devoted to Jesus. That's the kind of God we serve. And so James says here, we've got to be praying. James goes on in chapter four to say this. He says, you want what you don't have. So you scheme and you you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Again, we need wisdom. We need prayer. We need to be spending time with our Father. And yet we're praying for the wrong thing time after time after time after time after time. We need to get our lives lined up with what God desires for us. And that's what prayer does. The more time we spend with God, the, closer, the more we see our desires change to His desires for us. I love what Mark Batterson said. He said this, he said, Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers becomes the script of your life. The greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. God does not answer vague prayers. The more specific your prayers are, the more glory God receives. So We'll go through a trouble. God, just fix it. How God, we need wisdom. Help me to understand how to fix this problem. Help me to be a witness to the other people around me, so that they can see Your glory through the way I handle this situation. Lord, I pray that my marriage will be a light to the people in our community. That when we go through struggles, that we You will bring us back closer together, so that we can help others that are going through troubles as well. We start praying specifically. And God will get the glory. So that's the second thing. You know, we we, we see troubles need wisdom. Wisdom needs prayer. Here's the third thing. Our prayer requires faith. Our prayer requires faith. So we can pray, but do we really believe that God not only hears our prayer, but he's going to answer our prayers? Verse 6 says this, But when you ask him, Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. The imagery here is a ship being tossed about at sea, Uh, you know, uh, uh, that it's unstable. That it's just, you know, whatever happens, right, that we're just getting tossed. And have you ever been on, on, in, on a ship in the ocean when the, the, the ocean is rough? It, it bounces you around. And, I mean, it, you, you, you lose your sense of direction and people get seasick. And it's not a fun experience. That's what it's like when we pray without faith. We're just getting tossed about by the world around us. And I'm telling you, the world's got a lot to toss us about. I mean, it, it, it's going to throw a lot of waves your way. And so it's just like you're bobbing in the waves and you go towards shore and then you're away from it and we don't have anything to anchor us down when we allow the world uh, to control us. That's what James is telling us. You've got to have that faith that grounds you. You've got to have that faith that is the stabilizer in your life that holds you together that doesn't allow the ship you know to be tossed around in the storm. We simply cannot be double-minded, and and so Warren Rearsby said that word double-minded or divided. It's, it it suggests hesitation, doubting. It literally means two-souled, uh, double-minded. Christians are not stable during trials. Their emotions and their decisions waver. One minute they trust God, the next minute they doubt God. Uh, Faith in God during trials will always lead to stability. So when we go through problems in life, we need this stability. We need that anchor that holds us down and that anchor is who God is. It's God's promises. It's God's word. It's God's character. It's God's nature. Right? It's everything about God that we can trust in, and that's why we have faith. Because God keeps his promises. A, a double-minded person is the one who's constantly struggling. Do I trust God, do I not? Do I trust God or do I blame God? That, that's what happens when we've got a divided mind. We run to, to God, then we run away from God. And I, again, I've seen so many people hit problems in their life, and one minute you think they're doing great, the next minute they're mad at the world. What's happened? It's exactly what James talks about here. It's this divided mind. They're not. They don't have that stability. Um, you know, I think for some people, uh, when we talk about praying in faith, they get all confused and they think, well, if praying in faith just means asking God for what I want. Well, it's really what we need. Uh, it's not positive thinking. I mean, this, you know, that's why so many people get mad at God. They're like, God, I want an easy life. I want you to fix all of this. And God's saying, I want to fix you. I don't, I don't want to fix your problems. I want to fix you. I, I want you to be more like Jesus. And so when we ask God to fix, up, uh, fix the problems around us and they don't get fixed, of course, we're going to be mad at God. We're going to be double-minded. We're going to be divided. We're going to be tossed about. Why? Because we uh, believe God is going to do something. And he doesn't do it. We need someone to blame. The problem isn't with God. It's a mistaken understanding of faith. Faith is not believing that God will do what we want done Rather, it's believing that God will do what he has promised to do. And so I love the, the, the promise that James gives us. He's like, God's going to give you wisdom. God's going to help you through it. God's going to see you through your problems. And in the process, you're going to learn what it means to have faith. In the process, you're going to be more like Jesus. Uh, one author said this. He said, we live in a fallen world. In this world, bad things happen to good people. You, you know that, right? That bad things can happen to good people. Moreover, as Christians, we must face the possibility of persecution. And this is the theme of James as well as 1 Peter. There's only one way to handle such ups and downs in life, and that is by an unwavering trust in the providential care of God. And so that's where faith comes in. That's why James stresses a faith that leads to action. He says this uh, later in, in chapter one, he said, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. This is a faith that leads to action. He says, otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. If you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. Uh, and, and, and to get to the point of this verse, go back to first century. It's not like they had a mirror in every bathroom. A mirror was very Rare. And so looking at yourself in a mirror was almost a strange experience because it didn't happen that often. And so when you saw it, it was like something big. You really wanted to see what you look like. And so it says here, uh, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. This is what faith does for us. Our faith leads to blessings. And so I just want to, to challenge you, right? With God's help, we can stay committed when we encounter problems in life. Don't allow the world, just like Job's friends, to, to, to come in and say, why don't you just curse God and die? Why are you still following God? Why are you still going to church? What good is church? You can just stay home. You can find God anywhere. No, you Really? Is that what we've turned into in our society today? Do you realize the importance of uh, of the church? Do you realize the importance of God's people gathering together? This is what we're learning. We need faith. We need support. We need God. We need prayer. We need wisdom to handle these issues in life. And so how do we respond? Here's, Here's our response for today. We simply cannot waste our troubles. Whatever it is you encounter in life, don't waste it. Listen to me online. Whatever your trouble is, don't waste that trouble. Don't waste it. Whatever it is, allow God to use it uh, to, to bring you into maturity. Ask God for wisdom and He will help you. He will hear you. He will carry you through it and He will bless you. Trials and tribulations, they're inevitable. They're going to happen. And God can use them to deepen and develop our faith. And as we do that, what happens? We become more and more like Jesus. And there's something too, you know, when we go through some pretty big trials in life, they really, we have a choice to make. Again, we have a choice. Are we going to allow God to use them? or Are we going to turn on God? When we allow God to use them, It's remarkable what happens to us. How God can then in turn use it for our good and His glory. And so when trials hit our family or or our work or our plans, don't let them devastate you. Use it to to allow you to bring it closer to God. I, I read this this week. It said, if your ultimate goal is not just to fix your circumstances, but to know God and to grow in God, then rejoice, because no matter what your circumstances, you will achieve that goal. God has designed trials for your growth in godliness, and trials are joy when God is our goal. And so, this morning, I, here's I, I want to close with a single verse. I want to close with something out of First uh, Peter. Uh, But we've got to build our life on something that is stable, just like Jesus talks about in in, in Matthew 7 when he says, are we going to build our house on the solid rock? What are you building your life on? Are you building it on the solid rock or are you getting tossed about anytime something happens to your life? I want to challenge you. Let's find the stability that we need and we find that in God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. Church, that's what we need. We need that firm foundation. And so today, I don't know what you're going through in life. I don't know, Uh, life, it may be going, it may be smooth sailing right now. You may not, there may not be any waves. You may be thinking, man, this is the best it can get. Here's what I want to tell you. You're going to encounter some rough waves, right? the, The storm is coming. And so where do you find your strength? Where do you find your anchor? Where do you find your help in your time of need? We've got one place to turn, and it's Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity right now today uh, to get to know Him. Uh, This is your chance to turn your life around and to put your faith in Christ. So I want you to pray with me. We're going to go to God in prayer, and then we'll close today. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that... um, You've given us an opportunity to use our circumstances, to use our troubles so that we can grow closer to you. So, Lord, help us not to waste it. Help us not to waste uh, the, the troubles we face in life, but help us to use them to bring us closer to you for our good and for your glory. Lord, I'm thankful that even on a snow day like today that we can gather even if it's just a few of us in this place, we can gather, but we can share it uh, with the larger church online. I'm thankful that people are taking time out of their day to, 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 to learn from your word, to grow in their knowledge and their wisdom and their understanding of, of your word. And Lord, I pray for each and every person listening, whether in person or online, that no matter what they're going through in life right now, that they would be able to feel your presence and your peace that they would be able to receive wisdom, that they would ask for and then they would be able to use that wisdom to know the next step that you are calling them to make. Heavenly Father, we, we need you. We, we need you to get through this life we live. And again, it's not a crutch, it's you're our strength, our support, our, our, our help, in our time of need. You are ever-present, and I'm so thankful for that. And finally, Lord, if there's anyone listening today, watching today, that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, today, would would it be that day that they would surrender their life to you? They would acknowledge that their way of doing life is not working. That they cannot be the Lord of their own life. Instead, they need you uh, to, to be the Lord of their life. And that happens when we acknowledge our own sin, our own separation from you That we confess that Jesus is Lord. We believe, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead so that we might be saved. When that happens, Lord, you hear our prayers. You answer it. You adopt us into your family. You justify us from your sin, from our sin. Lord, I, I just pray that if there's anybody listening today that doesn't know you, that right now, right here, that they would pray and receive you as their Lord and Savior. It's not a magical combination of words. It's just simply a pouring out of our heart and asking you to save us. And when we do, Lord, you hear it. Lord, I'm just so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful for for your love for us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we close today, guys, uh, first of all, if you're watching online and you just made a decision, would you please click that button that I've just committed my life to Christ so we can follow up with you and and let give you some more information and help you on the journey that you're going through. We'd love to get to know you. Uh, it's the most important decision you will ever make. For those of you here, as we close today, um, it's a little different. We don't have a song here at the end. We're just going to go ahead and close. Um, but I, I want you to know I'm so thankful that you were able to join us today. Again, it looks a little different on a snow day, but God's still in this place. Amen. And so it's good to, to be in God's house on, on Sunday. So I'm thankful for you guys. Uh, thank for you for, for you watching online. I pray that you have an incredible week. God bless.